is important to you about your work. Maybe it's just the love of learning. Maybe it's the challenge. Maybe you're really passionate about the type of company or the type of work that you do. Um, maybe you just really like seeing like how far you can go and what you can achieve. There's nothing wrong with that. But hold on tightly to what about this work matters to you. So when those thoughts come up, you can go, okay, that's just imposter syndrome trying to like keep me safe, trying to protect me and moving towards something that matters to me is actually what's going to help me have the type of life that I want. Imposter syndrome is trying to help us survive, but our values give us insight into how to thrive. You're listening to the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast, the show that blends science and heart to bring you evidence-based tips and tricks for cultivating a healthy, wealthy, and meaningful life. Now, here's your host, therapist, yogi, and fellow full-life balancer, Dr. Caitlin Harkis. Well, hey there, Wisdom for Wellbeing listeners. I am delighted to be here with you again today and excited that we're going to be talking all things imposter syndrome in this episode, and I know it is something that is going to resonate. It is a concern, a challenge that a lot of us struggle with. Before we do get into that, I wanted to highlight some other really exciting news. If you are on the Yoga Nerds mailing list, then yes, you would have probably heard a little bit about this. What's happening is that in a few months time, I am going to be bringing my yoga and psychology course into an online format and it'll be opening for registration. So the idea of this course is to teach skills for emotional well-being, so stress management, mood management, you know, goal-directed activities, and ultimately just creating a life that is aligned with our hearts, with our values, so that it feels really meaningful and intentional. You know, sometimes we are stuck in survival mode. Things are spinning out a bit for us. Our sleep is interrupted. You know, I know I get those digestive issues. My tummy feels a little bit off. I know that's common for a lot of people, that tension in our jaw and just the sense that we don't have the me time, the space to really connect with ourselves and to reestablish that sense of intentionality in our days, in our lives. And then bringing yoga into the mix offers this really fantastic way of not only connecting in with strategies that help us regulate in times of, you know, busyness, distress with breathing exercises, mindfulness exercises, but using yoga as a way of connecting in with those values, with our intentions. And the yoga that is included as part of this course is for all levels, but particularly people new to the practice, so beginner-friendly, and it is a trauma-sensitive practice. So in incorporating the psychoeducation, you know, the teaching of how our minds work and how we manage these minds that you know, tell us some pretty unhelpful things at times. With the yoga, there's this really integrative opportunity for platforming and moving towards, you know, ultimately thriving in your life. And I'm really excited to be sharing this with you very soon. There will be a pre-sale. So get onto the mailing list if you'd like to grab the 
um, guidebook that I've offered to Yoga Nerd subscribers, the best way to kind of get on the mailing list and grab the guidebook that also offers you an opportunity to reflect on your values and to just start having a bit of a look at how you do bring yoga into your life to create an intentional life if yoga is your jam or any other activity that feels really helpful for you. Head to drcaitlin.com backslash act act guide so act guide and you'll be able to grab the guidebook and sign up for the yoga nerds mailing list of course if you just go to drcaitlin.com you can sign up for the mailing list there or just send me a dm or a message an email whatever format works best for you so that i can let you know when the founding members you know, price will be on offer. That'll just be a short little opportunity before the course opens formally. So I'm excited about this. Any um, input that you have around what would be really useful for you is very welcome right now because I am building on the courses that I've run in the past. I want to offer a bit more and in a format that is really functional. So let me know your thoughts there. Now, let me also introduce today's guest. I am just so delighted to introduce Dr. Jessica Borshak once again. If you haven't listened to her episodes previously, you are going to you know, love the way that she so accessibly describes the topics and really guides you through what imposter syndrome is and how you actually move forward in an effective way. You know, this is something that is, as I said, quite common. Dr. Jessica and myself, both in this episode, describe our experiences. And I think you'll find that it does give you an opportunity at the end of the episode to really consider how you use this information in creating again opportunities in your life that are reflective of your heartfelt desires and the skills that you do have. Dr. Jessica Borshak is a registered clinical and health psychologist, author, and wellness enthusiast who works in private practice. The author of numerous books on acceptance and commitment therapy, including the award-winning book, The ACT Approach, Dr. Jessica provides ACT training for mental health professionals and brings ACT to the public through Busy Mind Reboot. But without further ado, let me introduce you to Dr. Jessica and let's dive into this conversation on imposter syndrome. Hi, Jessica. Welcome back to Wisdom for Wellbeing. I am absolutely delighted to get to sit down with you again. So thank you for making the space. Of course. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I mean, you and I have so much fun talking about uh, all sorts of things. We're very lucky. And it's um, it's nice because we're talking about something that actually is close to my heart today. And I imagine close to many listeners' hearts. We are talking about imposter syndrome. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's interesting because I'm hearing more and more about imposter syndrome. Like I've actually had even in um, the therapy room, a few clients come in and say, oh, I've heard about this thing called imposter syndrome. I think I have that. <laughs> and um, I think it's sort of making its way into common vernacular. So I was just curious as to maybe if we could start off with just a bit of an explanation around what imposter syndrome is, if listeners haven't heard of it before. For. 
Absolutely. And I've had the exact same experience with clients. They'll come in and they'll say, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. And first of, first of all, imposter syndrome is not a like clinical mental health diagnosis. So you wouldn't go to a psychologist and then be diagnosed with imposter syndrome. It's more um, something that psychologists and researchers have coined to describe just kind of a collective um, of experiences, thoughts, those types of things. And so someone with imposter syndrome has this persistent belief that they are um, not good enough, that they're a fraud, that they um, have only succeeded because of luck or being in the right time in the right place or tricking people into believing that they are uh, somehow you know, better or more proficient at something than they are. Um, now, these folks have lots of evidence to show that they actually are good at what they're doing, but they they constantly dismiss that off and hyper focus on this idea that they that they're basically frauds and that they are undeserving of what they experience and that they have this constant fear of being kind of found out that they are. Um, not really as good at what they are doing and they're going to get kind of like uncovered or revealed and and lose their job or lose you know merit points or things like that okay so it's this experience of feeling like one's not good enough feeling like one's a fraud gonna get found out but I'm gathering that people who have this experience may actually be quite successful in their life that this is a feeling because you said you know that there is not necessarily evidence supporting it (laughs) absolutely what we find is that people who are high achievers actually tend to have experience imposter syndrome more often which makes sense because let's say you're someone who really doesn't care about your job your job is just a paycheck you just check in clock in clock out you're done you're not worried about whether you're successful or whether you're good at what you're doing or even worried what others think about you because you don't care about your work. So, you know, slackers, for a lack of a better term, don't really experience imposter syndrome, whereas folks who are high achievers hold themselves to a really high standard. Um, they're constantly moving the bar, so they they reach one level of success, and then they're like, yeah, but I haven't done this yet, and they kind of don't really celebrate their their experiences before they move on to to the next thing. And I say this as someone who does exactly that. Yeah, that's <laughs> why we're both sitting here like laughing. <laughs> Absolutely, and so people who hold a lot of value in their performance, in their character, of how they show up to work, of being maybe a leader or being hardworking, or just taking a lot of value in doing a good job, of course will have a lot of fears that they have no idea what they're talking about and they're terrible at what they're doing and they've only gotten this far because of luck, not because of any kind of skill. Um, because that's that's the biggest fear in that what they want most in the world is not possible. And you mentioned the the sort of raising the bar, like this, this you know, I think, I don't know that this is different language I've picked up since I've been in Australia, but they say changing the goalposts or something. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's this idea that you could almost never then succeed and, and have that feeling of, wow, like this is a relief, I'm done. Walk away from the game. It's this perpetual hamster wheel almost. Yes, People will often say, even when it comes to like burnout and stress, 
I will rest when, when I get this promotion, when I make this much money, when I've gotten to this point in my career, when I've achieved this certain um, goalpost. And yet, as soon as they hit that, their mind is already recalibrating to the next thing. To, to focus on what is the next achievement that they're going to have. Because oftentimes we hold this belief that when I reach this point, I will feel super confident, I will feel like I know what I'm talking about. All of these fears and insecurities and imposter syndrome will go away. And they reach this goal and not only do they not even celebrate that success, but their mind immediately kind of recalibrates to, yeah, but you haven't done this. And that imposter syndrome, those fears are still there because the work still matters to you. And instead of identifying that, instead of acknowledging like, hey, imposter syndrome's kind of going to hang around. He's just a friend that shows up because, because you care about this. They push themselves harder to achieve more, to do more, to be more in order to try to escape this feeling that they don't like having. So you mentioned a friend, <laughs> imposter syndrome is a friend. <laughs> Tell me about that because it's, you know, for a lot of us, such an uncomfortable feeling. How do we friend that? Really awful friend. No. <laughs> yeah. Think of it like this. Your mind's goal is to try to protect you um, and try to protect you from pain, try to protect you from threats. And it can't tell the difference between a lion trying to attack you and insecurities. And so your mind is going to sometimes put out some of these worst case scenarios or worries related to things that, that you care about the most. And so if you care about your work, you care about doing a good job, you care about being successful or being seen as someone who is uh, achievement oriented, then of course your mind is going to try to protect you from failure by saying, oh, but what if this happens? And what if this, what if you fail? What if people don't like you? What if people think you're stupid or they don't know, you don't know what you're talking about? And it's putting these fears out there to try to keep you safe. But unfortunately, the way it keeps you safe is by being as boring and neutral as possible, an average as possible, <laughs> right? Because if we think about it from a social context, the person who is the least likely to drum up controversy and be disliked or be kicked out of the social group is the person who kind of is just there. They're not the worst of the group. They're not the best of the group. They're kind of just average and they're all right and we put up with them, but there's nothing really, uh, there's nothing really big to comment on. And so your mind is trying to help you survive by saying like, don't put yourself out there. Don't take risks. Don't uh, create the potential for failure. Whereas you are trying to thrive and that thriving comes from pushing yourself and taking risks. And so I like to think of it as your imposter syndrome really is your friend. It's trying to help you. It's trying to protect you. It's trying to keep you from making mistakes or failing. And yet failing and making mistakes and pushing yourself is what helps us grow and what helps us succeed. So we can acknowledge that imposter syndrome is trying to help without following its lead and listening to what it wants us to do. It sounds like a very overprotective friend. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to think of it as 
like everyone has that one family member who's who's means well but just makes things worse like maybe it's you know your mother-in-law or your mom or your older sister like you know your younger brother or something like that but you have some kind of family member who's always trying to make things easier for you trying to protect you and they're they just kind of get in the way but you don't like yell at them because you know they mean well you know the the, the what is it the 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 road to hell is paved with good intentions <laughs> yeah. what, what, i totally butchered that quote whatever that I one is how it goes but something, something like, like that. that yeah something like that so we all have those experiences of people we love or care about who are well-meaning but just kind of not super helpful and that's that's how i view imposter syndrome they're this family member or friend who's along for the ride um who we don't have to love but we want to acknowledge is there with good intentions i like that and i i like how you kind of go okay well like i'm acknowledging that you're there it's good intentions because it's not like getting into this fight which takes of course so much energy and how interesting that a lion and you know some sort of worst case scenarios sort of have the same effect on our bodies our experience and here we're just kind of acknowledging okay well you know it's not an a lion it's not actually a lion that's going to eat me it, it's these these i guess um warnings that are coming up that the mind is doing to try and help us fit in to survive and kind of knowing that to me that seems like i would relate a little bit differently having that understanding but what else what else can we do to kind of manage this friend more effectively <laughs> Well, the first thing is to realize that our mind is not omniscient. It's not all knowing. Oftentimes, imposter syndrome will come up with these kind of what if scenarios. And they can, when we hear them in our mind, they can feel very real. They can feel very true. And if we believe that they're true, right? If we believe that we did a terrible job on this or you know, I can't go up for this promotion because I'm not ready and then they'll find out how little I actually know. Um, I remember going through grad school, you know, skimming the articles and stuff like that, like sort of preparing for class. And I remember preparing for internship, which is the last step before I got my PhD and thinking, dear God, they're not, no one's going to accept me into an internship. I'm never going to graduate because like, I've learned nothing in grad school, which was obviously not true. But if we believe these fears that our mind says, it's going to impact how we respond. And so what we want to do is when those thoughts pop up is just acknowledge, oh, there's imposter syndrome trying to help me again. You know, oh, he's, he's trying to, you know, keep me safe, but actually putting myself out there, taking risks, even making mistakes is what's going to help me grow and move towards what I really want. And that's the second part of this, is keeping an idea around what is important to you about your work. Maybe it's just the love of learning. Maybe it's the challenge. Maybe you're really passionate about the type of company or the type of work that you do. Um, maybe you just really like seeing like how far you can go and what you can achieve. There's nothing wrong with that. But hold on tightly to what about this work matters to you. So when those thoughts come up, you can go, okay, that's just imposter syndrome trying to like keep me safe, trying to protect me. 
and taking making this move moving towards something that matters to me is actually what's going to help me have the type of life that i want imposter syndrome is trying to help us survive but our values give us insight into how to thrive i love that you brought like failure and kind of these stumbles into actually moves towards thriving that it's it's not a bad thing to fail it's by the sounds a mindset shift and connecting it back into where we want to be going and what sort of values are propelling us and that in that frame it's actually really powerful yeah failing is a necessary component in success because in order to achieve anything meaningful We need to stretch ourselves. We need to try new things, think outside of the box, put ourselves in situations, or maybe even apply for positions we don't feel 100% ready for. And there will be times where we make mistakes. And that doesn't, that is not evidence that we aren't ready. It's simply, it simply gives us insight into what we still need to learn to grow. And so I actually think failing or making mistakes or kind of stumbling or setbacks um, can be really powerful because they give us insight into, okay, what do I need to learn? What are my next moves? And it reminds me that the goal I'm shooting for is an appropriately big goal. Because if you're just going through and you're never failing, you're succeeding at everything you do, like. That might feel good, but I have a feeling in the long term there's some dissatisfaction that comes up because it might feel very empty or you might feel like you're not actually going for something big enough. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So it's almost like you're living in your comfort zone, but it's not going to expand or grow maybe in the way that you're capable of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you look at all, like if you think of someone who you really admire, maybe a um, a business person, a celebrity, a, uh, a expert in your field, and you go and just do a little digging. Maybe they've done an interview where they talk about their life or they have an autobiography or some type of memoir. And I can guarantee you, no matter who that person is, that somewhere in their story is a period of struggle or failure or setbacks. Even someone like Oprah, who is like unequivocally, I'm not going to be able to say that word. I can't even help you. (laughs) Unequivocally. I I know how to say words. You know what I mean. Our imposter syndrome is going wild now. (laughs) I don't know how words work. Well, you know what I mean. She is without a doubt one of the most successful people in the entire world. She's an incredible human, has done wonderful things for the world through her work. And she's been fired from stations. She's, you know, moved towards opportunities and not gotten them. Like early in her her career, if she had given up because of that and she's gone, oh, this is just an indication that I shouldn't, I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't have a talk show. I'm not good enough to be an anchor. All of these kinds of things. We wouldn't, Oprah wouldn't mean anything to us today. (laughs) But she used those opportunities to inspire herself to push harder and not listen to the voice in her head telling her that she's not good enough, but, you know, showing up because it mattered to her. And she'll talk about, if you read interviews or, you know, you read interviews from lots of people who are really successful, they'll talk about how they still don't feel like they're good enough. I'm sorry to tell you, but there's no, there's no level that you get to where imposter syndrome goes away. If anything, sometimes it even gets bigger because the stakes are higher. 
you know, the higher you go, the, the harder you fall. So this is a chronic condition that we're working with and we're just figuring out how to live our best life with it. Imposter syndrome is a lifelong friend. <laughs> So we've got this lifelong friend and we're kind of, I guess, moving along on our way. Why, why do some of us seem to experience it worse? And you mentioned Oprah, for instance. Why would someone like Oprah maybe experience imposter syndrome? And maybe other people we look at, they seem, you know, cool as a cucumber and don't necessarily seem to have all of the running commentary or that friend maybe <laughs> spitting, um, spitting all of these slow down reminders at them. Yeah, well, so some people like to pretend that they're fine when they're really not inside. So we we don't want to look at how someone looks on the outside and assume that they're not struggling because I, I'm going to imagine that everyone is. However, there are some groups of people who tend to have higher rates of imposter syndrome. And it really makes sense. If we think about what a, the norm of any kind of industry or situation looks like, if you don't fit that image, you're already starting from a place of feeling like an outsider. So this is where factors of intersectionality come in. So if you're a woman, if you are part of a minority group, if you're maybe lower socioeconomic status or um, maybe you know the dominant language in your field is not your your native language um, or you're trans or you're you are represent a community in which the type of environment you're trying to succeed in doesn't have a lot of examples of that um, and that is why it's so important for one us to encourage and support and highlight people who you know maybe look different or represent different groups to show you know their successes to normalize hey you could be a woman you could be a black woman you know you can come from you know, maybe not graduate high school or come from a low socioeconomic status or a million other things and you can succeed now this is no way shape or form races the you know systemic racism or anything that you have to go through in order to get there but that's why representation matters so much because if you already really care about the work that you're doing and really want to achieve, you're kind of setting yourself up for having imposter syndrome, which is not a bad thing. It's kind of the cost of caring a lot and wanting to achieve. But then you're trying to go or break through into a field or industry where not a lot of people look like you and there is discrimination or bias. That is just going to compound extra to add proof to see you don't belong here. Um, and so it can kind of be a double whammy of you don't see any, you're internally, you're thinking that you're a fraud. And then externally, you're getting messages of, you know, you don't belong here, or this is not a field for you to be in. And so those two things kind of accidentally work against you or not maybe not necessarily accidentally since the external stuff is maybe a little more intentional and mean um but those two factors work together to increase the likelihood of imposter syndrome that makes a lot of sense i like that you acknowledge the fact that you know it is so important and so vital that we do show up in these areas because that's ultimately what's going to transform the space but that we do also need to acknowledge that there is for example systemic racism that exists you know 
internationally we're, we're sitting in different countries right now and this is something that that's widespread as well as you know sexism and you mentioned different identities you know that we might have you know if we're a trans um trans person that that's another thing that we're we're working to move through in a society that is definitely at this point cut it cutting down and i think that's two elements that we've got then our own internal voice that has been developed i suppose within the society that we're currently operating in and so one of the things that can be really helpful uh, i always feel that when you're struggling or you're going through imposter syndrome one of the things that happens often is we kind of try to hide that because we, we want to put on this front of, I got everything together, I know what I'm talking about, and kind of create this illusion that we're very competent. But as a result, you don't get to connect with other people who may be feeling the same way. And if you are necessarily maybe in a position of power, or you represent a group that um, is more normative in an environment, like I'm a woman, but I'm a cis white woman, um, then it is not only your opportunity, but I also think your responsibility to be willing to be authentic and vulnerable to help um, mentor and pull up people who might be struggling because of intersectionality issues um, that either you've already faced or you might not face in your life and to find common ground on that imposter syndrome and help to mentor. Um, a lot of times because certain environments or industries will diversify by having like, oh, here's our token woman or, you know, our, to our token minority. And there's like one person on a board who is supposed to represent um, or is supposed to show that they're being diverse. And as a result, it can create a lot of competition in the workplace where people aren't helping each other because there really is only one spot for a woman. And so it can make it really hard for someone to help and mentor others because there's that fear of protecting your career and your position. And I actually see it as a really great opportunity that you know what it feels like to feel like you don't fit, to feel like you don't belong, to feel like a fraud. And once you are climbing up the ladder, instead of kind of double downing and protecting that because you don't want to show like you have any cracks and you're perfect, um, using that vulnerability to open up and to um, change the culture of the environment that you work in. So there's these rights, you know, and responsibilities that they come that they come hand in hand. And I, I love that idea of vulnerability. You know, it is something that I think we do cloud over in that attempt to appear like we are, I think I used my cool as a cucumber language earlier, but, <laughs> but that that's actually not connecting. That's actually really disconnecting where we, you know, don't have the opportunity to share with others who might be struggling, but also in maybe sharing it, then others can kind of validate similar struggles and that opportunity for really sharing this humanness comes forth. Exactly. If you're you are never going to understand the vulnerability of another person, even if they share it with you, because you aren't inside their body and inside their head. And so what often happens is you're inside your head with imposter syndrome, and you're looking at the other person's you know, external mask that they're putting on. And so you can go around your office, around your community, whatever environment you're in, and go, 
everyone's doing better than I am. Everyone has it together. Everyone is as cool as a cucumber because you don't know what's going on behind their eyes, you know, within their heart. And the willingness to be open and be authentic, as you said, helps us to connect and helps us know that we're not alone, helps to normalize these thoughts and feelings, and also gives the power back to us because we no longer have to put time and energy into maintaining that mask. Now, I'm not saying go around and like cry to all your coworkers <laughs> or say how awful you feel all the time or how anxious you feel, um, but taking those opportunities to have genuine connections and, and be willing to let a little bit of yourself be seen because that risk is actually going to help you in so many other ways um, in your career and in your life, frankly. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Because the people we often feel most connected with are the people that we can share with, you know, I'm, I guess I'm thinking in different social circles and experiences that I've moved when someone doesn't let you know what's going on. It's really hard to kind of find that connection and that spark, you know, the weirdness that maybe draws us into someone. Yeah. And it can also hold us back from opportunities because frankly, let's say you're going for an interview or going for a promotion. You might hear this all the time of people saying they're not only looking if you're qualified for the job, but if they want to work with you, right? If you're personable enough or, or uh, they can connect with you on a human level. And so ironically, being vulnerable uh, to a certain extent can be really helpful. And just being aware that there may be some people where it's better to be, you know, open and vulnerable with than others. Yeah. So there's, I guess, a learning that kind of comes with this experience and using our emotional intelligence to help us in navigating it all. But first, knowing that imposter friend of ours um, and kind of knowing what's sitting there so that it does feel like we've got the languaging and the awareness around what's showing up. So if we do want to share it, we um, we know where we're at. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know. I feel like in my own personal life, my career has grown with my willingness to be honest about the things that have been really tough in my own life and the willingness to present myself not only as a professional, but as an imperfect one um, and as an imperfect human, which seems weirdly simple, but has definitely not been easy. And um, it shows, doesn't it, that there is this messaging around perfection in in so many industries and this idea that we need to have it all together when in actuality, as you sort of said, imposter syndrome is going to be this lifelong condition and being imperfect, you know, is going to last for, for the same duration, um, hopefully a very long time for each and every one of us. Jessica, it it all links back to a busy mind as well, because, you know, you are known as the busy mind psychologist, speaking of your professional career. And I yes. know imposter syndrome pairs into a specific busy mind type. Would you mind just making the link for us? Yeah, absolutely. So I really divide uh, busy minds into four different categories. And there's obviously some overlap, but people often find that at different points in their life, they really fit into one type of category. 
So we have the, um, you know, self-proclaimed control freaks. These are folks who really struggle dealing with uncertainty or having anything that's like outside of their control that they can't handle or manage. Uh, the productive procrastinators. So the folks who um, don't deal with the tasks that they really need to by doing tasks that feel productive, but are really just busy work. So someone who might clean out their fridge when they really need to do their taxes. <laughs> uh, then we have the you know recovering perfectionists. And these are individuals who um, can oftentimes present as the helpers, as people pleasers, who are really fused with this narrative of being like the good person. And as a result, become very tied to the idea of being perfect and not being able to make mistakes. And then finally, we have the overwhelmed high achievers. And this is the category of people who tend to experience imposter syndrome the most because they have set themselves to a high standard. They are very, tend to be very analytical, very problem solving oriented, have a lot of really great skills that help them succeed, um, but also have a lot of insecurities and have a tendency to kind of push themselves too far. But they have very lofty goals. And as a result, you know, imposter syndrome is trying to protect them from, uh, from failing or not reaching their goals. And uh, all the you know research shows that individuals who tend to be high achieving are the ones who experience imposter syndrome because, as I said, you know the higher you go, the more you got to lose. Um, and so, if you are struggling with imposter syndrome, there is a strong likelihood that you are someone who is driven, who's hardworking, who um, values the impact that they make or the performance that they accomplish. And those are all wonderful, beautiful things. And all it means is that, you know, one side effect is you have a fun imposter friend who follows you along, just like all the other busy minds have their own um, strengths and, and uh, areas where they can kind of get tripped up. It makes so much sense. And it's, it's nice to kind of like look at the the two sides of a coin. Hey, we don't get we don't get one without the other that this capacity to care deeply about our work and to want to make a difference and to, to move forward in, in our world does come with this little um, friend, <laughs> very kind, overprotective, <laughs> safety keeping friend. Yes, well meaning friend who is not helpful at all. So Jessica, how, how can people kind of explore this further and, you know, get to know the amazing work you are doing around busy minds better? Well, that is a wonderful question because I have uh, some exciting things that are coming up that I'm really excited about. Uh, so first, you can connect with me most uh, at on Instagram at BusyMindPsychologist, um, as well as going to BusyMindPsychologist.com. There you can uh, join my newsletter if you want to hear from me on a weekly or monthly basis, depending on how uh, uh, procrastination-driven I am at the moment. <laughs> um, we were talking off-air about how terrible I am at sending emails on time. Well, not, not terrible, just, um, <laughs> just managing a lot of different dynamics. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm being honest and showing up as an imperfect person. Um, <laughs> yeah. but 
But you can also on my website take um, the busy mind uh, quiz. And this can teach you what type of busy mind you are. It's a five question quiz. And if you enter your email, you can not only get an idea of what busy mind type you are, but also get a personalized work Book to talk about some of those strengths and some of those problem areas and what you can do um, based on your busy mind type to thrive in your life. And then on top of that, the thing I'm really excited about is I am uh, launching a YouTube channel, Busy Mind Psychologist. I'm keeping it pretty consistent across the board. Um, and I am very excited about that. And I'm going to be helping uh, busy minds get unstuck out of their own way and back to their best selves. So if that sounds like you or something it might be interested in, uh, definitely check it out. And if you want to say hi, um, please send a message uh, through Instagram. It's where I respond most often and I'd be happy to, to say hello and uh, chat. That sounds perfect. So I will put links listeners in the show notes. So we'll get a link to all of Jessica's wonderful um, connection channels, including YouTube, which I'm delighted about because as you've probably noticed, <laughs> Jessica is real and eloquent and I'm excited to see what sort of pops up on the channel. And I also highly recommend getting your hand on that workbook. I've done it myself. So <laughs> pop your email and get the workbook and it comes direct. You don't even have to wait for an email. It's just suddenly there it's in your magic account. it's busy minds magic That's busy minds magic and you can get started right away so thank you again so much jessica this is such an important conversation and so connecting like i said something i experience you've acknowledged that something you experience and people are definitely learning the languaging around this term imposter syndrome and it's drawing us together in this connected journey as being humans yeah. Yeah. Real imperfect humans. I love it. And I love you. It's always a pleasure to get to talk with you. Um, and yeah, I hope people had as much fun listening to this as we had talking about it. Oh, I, I certainly hope so. And, um, and we'll get Jessica back on again, because it's always such a delight. And I love you as well. Thank you so much for your time, Jessica. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation and found it really beneficial to reflect on what imposter syndrome is and how it's showing up in your life. I hope that you've got some ideas for how you might go forward without it causing such a hook, without it holding you back so much. I think it's so important to talk about because it really normalizes this experience that a lot of us navigate in our lives. And in that normalization, I think it removes some of that sense of aloneness, the struggle that goes with the experience. So connect with Dr. Jessica Moore, head to at Busy Mind Psychologist on the socials. You can also head to busymindreboot.com as well as busymindpsychologist.com and that's where you can actually find the quiz to figure out what exactly is your busy mind type. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, head to drcaitlin.com backslash act act guide where you can grab the free guidebook and it actually comes with an audio values meditation as well to get really started on exploring what would be a meaningful life for you and also because that will sign you up for the yoga nerds mailing list and then I can let you know when my yoga and psychology course is available first 
in the pre-release format, the pre-sale, where you can get a founding member's price, and then later on when it actually goes live and you can jump in there. I am so excited about this course because it integrates the two things that you know, have made all the difference for myself as well as a lot of people that I have connected with over the years. You know, it's actually decades that um, I've been in a yoga community and then and then been teaching yoga and then feeling and exploring how that actually links with psychology as something that I think provides you know, even more benefit than a yoga practice itself. And additionally, I think psychological strategies and tools are really bolstered by bringing in a yoga framework as well. I actually did my PhD exploring the benefits of yoga for chronic stress and looked at psychoneuroimmunology and epigenetic changes as well as psychological. So this is certainly an area I feel passionate about and I am excited to offer it to you in an accessible online format. So sign up for some yoga nerd material and if that doesn't feel, you know, accessible for you or for whatever reason, um, the sign-up forms are, are difficult to, to get around, just send me an email, hello at drcaitlin.com or send a message on Facebook or Instagram and I'll get back to you there. All right, I will let you get back to your wonderful week and we will connect on another Wellbeing Wednesday if that's when you listen to these episodes. <laughs> Bye for now. Thanks for joining us this week on the Wisdom for Wellbeing podcast. Please visit drcaitlin.com to connect, find show notes, other episodes, and to subscribe. While you're at it, if you find value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating or perhaps simply tell a friend about the show. Wisdom for Wellbeing is not a substitute for professional, individualized mental health treatment. If you are in crisis, please contact 000, your local emergency number if you are outside of Australia, or attend your local hospital ED.